in a world where Hollywood is taking advantage of your nostalgia, Is It Really invites you to remember great summer blockbusters. Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! I have an army. We have a Hulk. They drew first blood, not me. Awful summer blockbusters. I freeze. I'm Batman. We need more. More what? Peace. And the one that started it all. Witness a film with a title that's short and compelling. Have you seen Jaws? That sounds scary. A film that ruined everything you love about summer. Hey man, you want to go to the beach? Of course not. Well, do you want to go for a ride on a boat? Are you insane? Well, do you want to visit the mayor? Wait, what? And a film that created the summer blockbuster. But how? Join us right now and... Smile, you son of a... too many captains on this island. Zach, you're out. Farewell and adieu. Welcome to Is It Really, the podcast that challenges popular opinions about movies. I'm Captain Brandon. I'm shipmate Zach. And I'm the nerdy science guy, Mitch. And tonight we're hitting the beach. Let's hope we make it back with all of our limbs so we can ask, how did Jaws create the summer blockbuster? Mitch, why don't you give us the plot of Jaws? Well, it's about as basic as it gets. A shark is in the ocean during a small town's beach week. Scary. (laughs) (laughs) This movie is about so much more than a shark. It is. So Jaws is the original blockbuster. How does it hold up to the modern day blockbuster? More specifically, Avengers Endgame. Quite possibly the biggest blockbuster of all time. Hmm. Summer or otherwise. After this moment, we are not going to talk about Avengers Endgame for many, many moons. <laughs> just just yes. let's get this out. <laughs> I don't disagree. I mean, either. I can't. I just can't do it anymore. I don't have the strength. <laughs> yes. Well, I would say they're both based on pre-existing properties. Both had huge audience responses. They had audiences lining up around the block, which I didn't think we'd ever see again in this day and age of like Fandango and AMC stubs and all of that. If we just look at Jaws was made for like 50 cents and a ham sandwich. (laughs) Jaws was made for 7 million and it grossed 470 million. And for those of you doing the math, that's roughly 67 times the budget. Avengers Endgame had a $356 million budget, which is huge. That's like larger than the GDP of some countries. <laughs> and when I was gathering my information, this was a couple of weeks ago, it had grossed at that point $2.5 which is a ton of money, but it's only like seven times their original budget. So right. to me, it's all about your rate of return. Yeah, Avengers Endgame is bringing in a ton of money and it's going to continue to bring in money until the end of time. Right. But 
I, I really just find it fascinating that Jaws was made for such a low amount comparatively and had a huge rate of return. I think Avengers Endgame is representative of, of like the new age of blockbuster movies, though. Yes. It's the big budget, tons of special effects, a huge cast, complex storylines. Jaws is a very stripped down three person main cast, very simple premise. It's a very simplified version of the summer blockbuster compared to what we're getting now. Yeah, it's Moby Dick in 1975. I like that Jaws came out of nowhere. I miss mm-hmm. that. There aren't a lot of movies that catch us by surprise that way anymore. Yeah. Avengers is great. Don't get me wrong, but we kind of like live in it now. Right. You know, Avengers mm-hmm. is, is like the water and I'm waiting for the next shark. Yeah. And I, I think Jaws is the more impressive of the two when it comes to your return, because another difference is this is the culmination of 21 different movies that we've been following for years. And Jaws is just a cool summer movie that people told their friends about. Right. And I mean, also, like, there's more to compete with going to the movies. You can stay home now. You have your your Netflix and your Hulu and your cell phone and whatever else. Whereas I feel like in 1975, it's summertime and we're all hanging out together. What are we going to do? Who's president in 75? Complain about Jimmy Carter or Gussie? <laughs> the scary shark movie. My mom, I was talking to her a little bit about Jaws and she said that she didn't see it, but even she was afraid to go on the water just because of what she'd heard about the movie. There's like a very famous quote, right? That's Jaws did for the beach what Psycho did for the shower. I like that. It's funny because I've never seen a shark. I don't think. Maybe at like Disney. But I am scared of them. Thanks a lot, Joss. Yeah. Honestly, though, <laughs> thanks a lot, Deep Blue Sea. That's my Joss. <laughs> <laughs> thanks a lot, Shark Tale for me. <laughs> You've never been to like the aquarium and seen a shark? Yeah, as Not soon as it I came can... out of my mouth, I was like, maybe I'm lying. Not that I can remember. It is different seeing one in the wild. I've seen a hammerhead shark in the wild, like from the beach. Hammerheads are nothing like seeing a great white, I'm assuming. But it was pretty crazy for sure. There was this one time I got to see up close and personal these four sharks. This sounds weird to say, but they were fighting crime. Stop with street sharks, Mitch. (laughs) It's interesting because I feel like Nemo, Shark Tale, we've been trying to like retcon sharks after Jaws for years. Sharks, if you read about it, actually don't attack people that much. But Jaws, I truly believe that movie alone is the reason why people are terrified of sharks. I think it's probably six people a year. Yeah, it's very, very small. But it did spawn like this genre of shark movies. What genre would you put Jaws in? It is a mix. Yeah. I think it falls in a couple genres. It has some horror scenes definitely to it, but it is almost like an adventure epic meets horror movie. Mm. Meets drama. Meets rom-com. The biggest jump (laughs) that I got in that movie was when the mom slaps Brody in the face. That was my biggest. Oh, like the biggest reaction (laughs) the movie got out of me was that moment. Yeah. So the quote in question, Zach, is say it, say it out loud. We're going to need a bigger boat. So how did that strike you? Like, what do you think he is thinking about when he says we're going to need a bigger boat? It's the fear that, you know, is real, 
but you kind of hope it's not. But the minute he sees that shark, you see like he doesn't scream. He doesn't yell. He just backs up and he's like, I was ready. And it's even more than I was ready for. Yeah, I think the reality of just exactly what they are dealing with smacks him in the face. Yes. And I think you're right. He was ready for something, but he wasn't ready for this. And he just walks straight back into the cabin. And I think I read that as terror. And I feel like a bigger boat somehow equals safety to him. We're too close to the shark. It can it can get us. <laughs> you know, we need something a little more substantial in between us and the shark. I don't feel like it has as much to do with, like, we need a bigger boat so we can do this job properly. I really feel like it's, we need to protect ourselves. Well, I was just going to say so many movies have referenced this line and quoted yeah. it and cited it. And it's usually like when a situation suddenly spirals out of control. And and actually, it's you're going to need a bigger boat. We've been saying we're. It's a common like mm-hmm. one of those like lines like Luke, I am your father. That's never in the movie. Right. But yeah, it's like a stand in for being unprepared for a situation. You know, like the backstory of that line, you're going to need a bigger boat, how they were saying it on set all the time. Apparently, there were all these problems while shooting the film. Uh, They just didn't have a budget. They didn't have any money. Mm -hmm. So you're going to need a bigger boat was actually referring to like a joke they would make on set whenever something would go wrong because they would always joke about how small the boat was like, oh, this boat is a piece of crap. Mm -hmm. So they would always just say, oh, you're going to need a bigger boat. So the guy who plays Brody (laughs) slipped it into many scenes. He kept saying it over (laughs) and over again. And that was the scene that it worked to push back a little bit. I think him saying you're going to need a bigger boat is him actually saying like, well, this has to get done now that we've seen it. We can't just go back because the real monster of the movie Jaws is not the shark. It's the mayor. And I think he knows like, okay, the the mayor's not going to do a thing and he's going to keep this beach open. People are going to keep on being eaten like this needs to get fixed and we need to be safe. We need to get the job done. Let's get that bigger boat. The mayor. I guess I never saw him as the villain of the of course he is. Of the movie. Brandon, He's the of villain he of is. the movie. Let's keep the beach open. But there's sharks eating people. Uh, are they, though? I think he's more of a buffoon. I don't think he's a villain. Oh, no, I, I think he makes a calculated villain, like a decision. Million percent. We need this. He's money. incompetent and the villain. <laughs> I mean, yes, he is also incompetent. Uh, getting people murdered is incompetence. Right, but I also think there's this scene on the beach where nobody wants to go in the water, and he goes up to, um, I forget the guy's name, and he says to him, why don't you go in the water? Go, go ahead in the water. And then later he says, you know, my kids were at the beach too. I'm like, idiot, like, maybe listen to the people who are telling you, like, stop being worried about money, because that's what he keeps saying is, we're going to have to shut down we have to shut down the, the beach and then we're going to lose money. Yeah, you're going to lose lives and then no one's going to want to come to your beach anymore. Also, he is under enormous pressure from the townsfolk to keep the beach open. This is when they make all their money. It's not just him. No, no. And I agree. OK, so he's he's feeling this pressure. He's not like over there twisting his mustache. But I do see it as the people are telling him to keep it open. And I think as the guy running things, you need to be able to say human life is important. And also just from a financial standpoint, if this is a shark infested beach, people are not going to come back. If people are being eaten at this beach, they're not going to come back. Like even if you're looking at it from a business standpoint, like it doesn't matter what your people are saying. As a good leader, you need to be able to make an executive decision sometimes and just say like for the greater good, 
We're shutting down the beach. Listen, listen. Jaws is obviously a socialist parable that teaches us capitalism doesn't care about you. And it will feed Good you to heavens. a shark if it's going to make you money. That's exactly what's happening in this movie. <laughs> oh, we're going to have to shut down our pizza shop for a day or two? Eh, right. I'll feed someone to a shark. I think this town survives on tourism. At some point, they say this is our biggest money earning day of the year. Right. And my parents live in one of those towns, too, where like, you know, it's a lot of tourist attractions and stuff like that. It really only booms in the summer. But you hear about places where something bad happened and that lives in infamy. I don't disagree with that. So I don't know if you heard the story about the film's dialogue, but Carl Gottlieb Spielberg actually asked him if he would kind of punch up the dialogue and add a couple jokes to it. Carl was a writer on The Odd Couple and stuff like that. And he ended up doing a full rewrite. He added so much to the movie that he got a screenwriter credit on the film. Wow. Yeah. And it's interesting him being a comedy writer because I don't think of Jaws as an overly funny movie. No, but there are some very funny parts. And I would agree with that. But I think that you can use horror and comedy to say something that isn't so blatant. Right. I really feel like the relationship between Hooper and Quint is yeah. hysterical. These guys hate each other. They couldn't be more different. Hooper's very regimented. This is what he studied in college. Comes from money. And right. Quint is this backwater boat captain. Loon. He is a nut. They're just at each other's throats pretty much the whole time. Right up until the point when Quint blows his, the engine on his boat. Right. And they have that beautiful scene where they're all like showing each other their scars and singing and Quint tells that story. It is about the relationship between the three main characters. For three actors who didn't like each other, they have insane chemistry. I'm often blown away by those like behind the scenes stories like, oh yeah, they hated each other. Well, that's funny because it really feels like they were best friends. I also realized Hooper, some of his lines in the movie like when he says that shark's gonna be lining up for hot lunch i was like that sounds like something brandon would say <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about the actual best line in the movie smile you sob i have spent a fair amount of time like on afi and just clicking around on like top whatever this and that i think that's actually the one that makes the list to me that's the most iconic it's cool yeah it's cool exactly yeah my favorite is the entire speech that Quint gives when he scratches the chalkboard. And oh, yeah. And by yeah. the way, I still like plug my ears when that's coming. Another line that I really liked that I feel sums up Brody's character is when he says it's only an island if you look at it from the water. Why does that sum him up for you? I'm curious. Right. Yeah. Because I think the whole movie, everyone keeps like calling out like, you know, oh, you're from New York. You're out here. And, you know, it seems like in that that first scene, He's trying to settle in, and this is just totally something that's different to him and something that he's not expecting. It almost seems like he moved out that way for a quieter change of pace, for, you know, just a different lifestyle. And, you know, kind of first week on the job, there's a shark eating human beings. So, you know, the guy says, well, why'd you, why'd you move to an island? And he's like, well, it's only an island if you look at it from the water. And so I think he's saying that you can't just go into situations and make assumptions based on what you've been told. I also feel like they frame him as an outsider pretty early on. Yeah. With, there's a scene, they're at the beach, and his wife says, when do we 
get to call ourselves Islanders. Right. And the woman she's talking to says, never. You weren't born here. You're not an Islander. And I think that is important because he's like the lone voice running around saying, we need to close the beaches. We need to do this. We need to do that. And I think that's why I feel like the mayor seems like more of a villain than he actually is. This is like right. he's speaking for everyone. Like, we need to stay open. We need our money. We need our revenue. Brody's the one, like, really pushing for the closure. I do feel like that distinction is important. Like he doesn't drink the Kool-Aid. He doesn't drink the Island Kool-Aid the way the mayor does. Oh yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. But I think that Spielberg is at least holding a critical lens of those Islanders and saying, what is the result of this culture? It's death. Right. You know, it's, it's not mm -hmm. good. Yeah. Uh, Brody is, like you said, he's the voice of reason. Sometimes you need that outside perspective. No, he's, he's a good not. guy. He's not. He's not. When he said my kids were in that water, I wanted to go through the screen and like choke them out. One of the first scenes where Jaws gets the person far away is it's like a girl in a yellow suit, right? You know what I'm talking about? I was like, oh, it kind of looks like a strawberry jacuzzi uh, out there in the water. And the rest of the movie, every time the mayor spoke, I thought I want him to take a dip in the strawberry jacuzzi. Jaws is both a great movie and a summer blockbuster. Do we still see that coexistence in 2019? Well, I think it is absolutely something we have seen recently, but I think it's rare. You know, I don't feel like the goal of a blockbuster is to create a great movie. The goal is to kick off the summer season to earn big bucks. And unfortunately, a lot of times that happens through flashy special effects. I mean, honestly, nowadays, the bigger, the better, because we've got the, you know, the new Godzilla movie coming out. And I think back to things like Transformers and it's just like big stuff breaking things and blowing stuff up just big 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 we like to say that it's rare but i think good movies going on great and big blockbusters are becoming a little more frequent mad max fury road it black panther creed inception the dark knight i think movies that get people to have a further conversation tend to do better movies that you know people want to go see again we're not just going to go see this movie once if it's good we're going to go back you know to three times maybe and and keep seeing it and we're going to tell our friends about it so i think now the the pressure is kind of back on i think there was a time period in like the mid 2000s where you're right brandon we got like our fantastic fours and movies like that but i think that more recently there's been some pretty dang good and almost great action movies that happen to be blockbusters I think there is something, though, about like the spirit of a blockbuster, sure. like those movies that you mentioned, a lot of them don't feel like blockbusters, even if they might fit the criteria like Mad Max Fury Road. It's a great movie that happened to come out at that time. That makes sense. I guess. But just based on that trailer and the way that they sold it was kind of ultimate summer blockbuster, like cars going fast and chase scenes in the desert with the cool music. And then when you saw the movie, there was more to it. I think part of me thinks that a great summer blockbuster that's enduring has to have some sort of legacy or impact on pop culture. I'm thinking back to like Star Wars, like you mentioned, but also like Top Gun, Jurassic <laughs> Park. These right. are movies that have inspired toys and rides and theme park attractions. And I'm not saying it's about 
money or franchising. But a movie like Mad Max, even if it made money, it definitely doesn't have this larger impact on like the zeitgeist. So like what you're saying is a summer blockbuster has to be cool, kind of like Jurassic Park is like very cool. Like you have the movie, but then you have all the cool merchandise and all the cool theme park rides and other stuff. And, you know, your Marvel movies, you have your movies, but then you have all the the cool shirts and all the cool stuff that you can buy for your car or whatever. And as long as you have an effect on pop culture. I think that response is what uh, studio executives are trying to do right now. They think, oh, well, we just need another cool thing. That isn't what makes a movie like Jurassic Park lasting. That isn't the only thing. It's not just about being a good movie. It's not just about how much money it makes. It's not just about if it's cool or not. There seems to be some sort of X factor, I guess, is what I'm getting at. It's almost like it needs to inspire a culture, a culture surrounding it Mm -hmm. to some extent. Maybe not a Star Wars culture every time, but it just needs to have a greater impact on the world around it. I feel like you can just see the copycats. Of any of these right, movies. Yeah. A Raiders of the Lost Ark has tons of copycats. Star Wars has tons of copycats. Mad Max is singular. Great movie, but it's sure. it's singular. Maybe my usage of cool wasn't right. I think it's more, does the movie have legs? Like, I think about movies like the Transformer franchise. The first Transformers comes out, and that is a movie that was very like, yeah, robots and destruction and stuff like that. And then by the time we got to the fifth one, the fifth one, like no one showed up to see it because they were just like, OK, like we've seen this before. Like mm-hmm. it's boring. And I think about, you know, the Marvel movies. And that's something that people have said, like, oh, we've seen it. It's all the same movie. But people keep on showing up. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I wish we could change our appetites. You know, it's just popcorn. and We want it. What's that new? Calvin and Hobbes. What's it? Hobbes and Shaw or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) This movie doesn't look good, but yeah, I'm going to see it. It's got the rock. The rock is in it. Why is that going to be a movie in IMAX? What about that lends itself to IMAX, like story wise? Like there's nothing that should be big. There's nothing that should be huge. But you see all over the place, like it's going to be an IMAX and it's going to be huge and it's going to be big. Like that almost reeks of desperation to me, but it works. There was some event movie in the past, something large that has just started this train of uh, nonstop, big, blurry action CGI movies that we just can't seem to escape from. You put Jaws on any screen and I'm interested. And going back to Endgame, I think that was super cool. But when I bring it home and I, you know, watch it on my screen at the house, is it still going to be as good? It's not like what I would hold up as the standard for this decade's blockbuster. If we're going to hold something up, it would actually be the first Avengers. Avengers changed the direction of movies. Uh, Endgame is just the culmination of that. So why did this movie do so well? What about it makes it this cultural icon that we are still talking about in 2019? Are you laughing because... No, I just thought of a joke. I was like, because it scared people out of the water, so they didn't go to the beach. So they're like, well, I guess we can go to the movie. I mean, that's actually a good point. It scared people out of the water. It actually had an effect on the way people vacationed. It affected people's lives outside of the Mm -hmm. movie theater. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a great point. You start messing with those everyday things, those 99 cent things, and people lose their mind. Right. I've never heard that expression. 
those 99 <laughs> like cent it. things, I really like it. I like it a lot, yeah. The trio of characters is what does it for me. You have three guys, couldn't be more different. Quint is kind of the Captain Ahab, lost his mind, not, you know, got a couple screws loose. The hunter. Hooper is like the, the scientist, the brains. Also, if you notice, he's the comic relief on the boat. He's the only one making any attempt at humor. And then there's Brody, like the wholesome... All heart, the family man, he's the chief of police, and he is just pure drive. Doing this for his family, doing this for the town, wanting to keep them safe. And it's that group of characters working together that make this movie so compelling for me. The shark, the horror scenes. I didn't think I was going to be scared at all while watching this, and I was surprised that I genuinely was. There were moments, that opening scene, just when she's getting dragged around like a rag doll, uh, that really was unsettling to watch. It reminds me a little bit of the scene in Jurassic Park where he gets pulled up onto the... No, 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 no. At the beginning, when he's like, shoot the beginning, yeah. 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 And, And he like drags him, and he's like lifted up off the... You know what I mean? Like, yes. yeah. what creature is in there that can do that? What is going on? Oh, right. yeah. They are terrifying. Absolutely. Yeah. They stick with you for sure. Yeah. But I think it's the characters and the way we build those relationships that really make me watch this movie every year to kick off my summer. When I was watching the movie, I was like, okay, which one am I? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hooper's probably Mitch. Brody <laughs> is probably Brandon. Oh, shoot. Okay. <laughs> Who's left? I'm, I'm, I'm the crazy guy singing and like, <laughs> look at the scar I got. <laughs> we just had our Alfred Hitchcock episode, and I think there are definitely some similarities between absolutely. Hitchcock and Spielberg. He, he's using a lot of those same methods to kind of set the stage for this unbelievable terror that we don't even see for the first 80 minutes of the movie. Well, yeah, I mean, to make the comparison with Hitchcock, the shark cam kind of view from beneath inside the water is pretty Mm -hmm. iconic now, right? And we mentioned in that Hitchcock episode, he's using some of those, he's directly ripping off some of those shots Hitchcock's known for, like the dolly zoom. But when I was watching this, I did think to myself, this is sort of almost the birds uh, redux, Uh, like it's the birds of a different time because it's very similar in those uh, themes of nature and stuff like that. Before you were afraid of the sky, now you're afraid of the water. And you really got this almost like Peter and the Wolf type trope happening with the music. John Williams created this very distinctive melody that takes the place of the shark. And Zach, you had mentioned before Spielberg had trouble with his mechanical shark that he built. It wasn't working properly. And so he had to resort to using these methods so we could get the feeling that the shark was there without actually showing the shark. And I think it's super compelling. I think it actually created a stronger movie the way it ended up working out. Reminds me of the first time I saw the original Star Wars movies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is dumb. It's a puppet. Uh, I like right. the I, I like the shiny new one that I'm used to. And then you grow up and you learn. That's actually a great thing to point to. I feel like I had a similar experience. You know, wow, the prequels and we can actually see the Jedi's doing all this cool stuff. And it's meaningless. <laughs> right. You know, there's that boring kind of thing that people like to say of like, oh, doesn't that shark look stupid? Like, who cares? <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. It's yeah. just who like cares? the shark does what it's supposed to. Like, does it look amazing? Like uh, I guess not. But it's a thing like the story is more important. The characters and what they're going through when that shark's trying to get these three guys, you're like, oh, you know, look out, Brody. They go out on the water. They're expecting to find a shark. And what they find is a monster. (laughs) 
they're expecting to find an animal and what they find is something else entirely. It's like when they pull that first shark out of the water and they're, you know, they're stringing it up and Brody's super happy. And the shark at the end of the movie would have swallowed that first shark whole, just one gulp. When you finally see the thing, it's way more terrifying if the table has been set Mm -hmm. he has taken time to put the plates out and the silverware and get everyone nice and hungry yeah then he puts that prime rib down in the middle of the table three tons of prime rib (laughs) three tons of them yeah don't worry about it chief it won't be permanent you want to see something permanent Michael Bay Ninja Turtles. Mitch, you want to feel something permanent? Michael Bay Transformers. I got that beat. I got that beat. Ryan Reynolds in a green CGI suit. Ah, that's not bad. But I've seen worse from him. He played a ghost in R.I.P.D. I wasn't interested, but that Jeff Bridges fella pulled me right into the theater. Oh, yeah? Look at that. It's George Clooney. He got me after I got burned by Val Kilmer. It took that Nolan guy to save the bat. Oh, the bat? I've got something for you. That's Jared Leto. You see that? Jared Leto method acting. Jared Leto. He was the Joker. That was bad news. You want a drink? Cheers to a few good films. (laughs) To Heath Ledger's Joker. To Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool. To the fact that Michael Bay hasn't cynically ruined another property this year. Speaking of ruined properties, I have the creme de la creme right here. Right there. Jaws, the revenge, broke my heart. I think that one hurts because of the first. The first? Young Spielberg slammed the movie into the cinema, Chief. We was coming back from our summer activities. We just heard the buzz. The Jaws buzz. Over 128 million tickets had been sold. People couldn't stop talking about it. We went in line for 12 minutes. 12 minutes doesn't sound that Shut up. It's in the movie. Didn't see the shark for about an hour. Scary. You know how you know that people were scared, Chief? You could tell by looking at the beach. What we didn't know was that sharks don't attack people that much. As the years have gone by, Chief, more movies come cruising by, so we've formed ourselves into tight groups. It's sort of like you see in the calendars. You know, the purists who only like this and the free thinkers who are only okay with that. The idea was the movie would come into the nearest theater and people would start pounding and hollering and sometimes that movie would be exactly what we needed. But sometimes, things wouldn't go our way. I think the comparison of sharks to summer blockbusters isn't gonna... Don't. You know, when it's all said and done, I think Jaws became the goal. Hollywood tries to spot what everyone likes and brings us all together. It doesn't always work. Sometimes we unanimously condemn an awful movie, but most of the time we sit on opposite ends of the fence. But every now and then, we film lovers all come together and love something. When the sun and spirits are high, we all want a film to unite us. We want to celebrate together, and it all started with a shark at the beach. Spielberg delivered the bomb. We made it back with all of our limbs. Thank you for listening to our episode on how Jaws created the summer blockbuster. As the summer movie season kicks into gear, we hope you have a fabulous time at the movies. 
What are you looking forward to seeing? Leave us a comment on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We can be found at the Is It Really Podcast. And we want to talk to you, yes, you, and hear your opinions. And don't forget, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're up to it, please give us a rating and a review. We would really appreciate it. And we'll see you next time.